Welcome back to Bike Race Weekly. My name is Ryan Gerard, and I'm here with my co-host Rick Runwald. Hey, everybody. So this week we wanted to talk Gateway Cup. We just had one of the best weekends ever. Amazing racing, beautiful weather. So much fun. So much fun. Yeah. And I, I would say all the hype that I've heard about the Gateway Cup, it definitely lives up to. It was an awesome weekend of racing. Yeah, you know, and we've been talking about, you know, comparing Gateway and Toad, you know, the positives and negatives of both. Yeah, some of the other big races around us too and how it kind of stacks up as like a as like a four day weekend versus like a week long series and yeah, I think there's a lot of cool stuff there. Yeah, so first off, let's get our overall thoughts on Gateway Cup. Yeah, um, you know what? I'm going to give the Gateway Cup uh, five out of five stars. I thought it was a fantastic event. You know, it was, I, yeah. I, you know what really made it for me? Two things. I really liked the course setup and design. And you know what? You think that a crit, like designing a crit course can be really easy, but then you kind of compare like a similar design in length to different cor- like between different courses and realize that just the most subtle changes completely changes the race. So I think Gateway really nailed it with their course designs and we'll talk more about their course designs when we go through each day of Gateway. And also the neighborhoods that the Gateway Cup was in. Too. I was going to say that too is the neighborhoods were amazing. Yeah, they were really cool. Each neighborhood had a different vibe to it and a different feel and everyone was like so into it. Yeah, the first day was in Francis Park which has like a if you've ever heard of or been to savannah georgia it kind of had that feel almost like a french yeah. quarter kind of older area with um some really unique buildings that was pretty cool and then the next day was in uh france oh wait uh this, oh, oh the, the first, first day, day was excuse me lafayette park yeah the first day was lafayette park and then the next day was francis park yeah and that was it. That was kind of cool. It was more of like a neighborhood, like a like a residential neighborhood around some schools and stuff like that. And it was kind of similar to the first one, where it was just yeah. a giant park in the middle of a neighborhood. And it had a giant church, which was yeah. really cool. And you know what? I never really noticed the church. I never noticed it either. And then <laughs> we were, our our uh, our friend Matthew was with us, and he's like, "Yeah, did you guys see how big the church is?" And I look up, and it's a massive church. Yeah, it's like literally one of the biggest churches I've seen in the United States. Just didn't notice it on the course, yeah, but it's right did. there. It's yeah, like, yeah. Francis Park, um, and then the third day, where we were for the third day, we were at uh, Little Italy. Yeah, which is the, also called the Hill. The Hill. The in Giro, St. Louis. It's called the Hill. Giro della Montagna. Yes, I. That's not how it's pronounced. But it's something like that. Yeah, many many of the locals refer to it as the Hill. The Hill. We're not sure actually why yeah. we asked someone and they didn't even know. Yeah, it's, it's just, just what everyone calls it. Which the course is more like a trench. There's also no hill. No. Like, well, it's it's like so at least from the course you go so you at, you're at the start finish you kind of go up a slight uphill and then down on the backside yeah. and then up and then down again on the backs on the backside of that stretch and then you're into the finish line again. Yeah, it's essentially a, a rectangle with a trench in the middle, so each side of the rectangle was an uphill. Yeah, which made for a pretty hard day of racing. It was it was very tough. That was also pretty neat in, in that each day got progressively more difficult. It did from a course design. It really did. So we the first day was um, Lafayette Park, and that was like a very very fast, uh, wide open four corner crit you where, could where, easily 
tail gun that that course and yeah. at any moment you could move up in the field. So yeah, to put that in perspective, I think our we were in the Cat 3 race. We did 29. No, we did about 28. We did about 27 and a half. Okay. Okay, so about 27 and a half. I've heard between that and 28 miles oh, okay. an hour for our race depending on whose you know, whose it, computer it came it from. It might be closer to 28 because my my uh watch is always kind of been known to be a little low this was just what somebody told me from their computer yeah, so that makes kind of sense if it was higher and we so if you if you went to the back the race was just easy it was so, you you would put zero effort in you literally would stop you'd probably pedal for one segment really hard yeah and then you'd basically coast like the rest of the mm-hmm. course it was ridiculous how easy it was and yet again that was the fastest race i've probably done all year mm-hmm. so that was pretty cool um, I guess we can kind of go day by day and just get into. Uh, well, let's let's first uh, talk about the weekend overall before diving. Into oh yeah, each day. let's let's do that. Yeah. So I one thing I really want to point out, and it's kind of a big difference between like uh, Gateway and Toad, is how close the races were together. Mm-hmm. They each course was like five minutes away from each other. So when we were driving from our hotel. That was always really easy. We always knew it was like around like a twenty to thirty minute drive. Yeah, and that's that's like the nicest thing for anybody staying in the area is just having really like you could if you came there and didn't really have a car, you honestly could ride to each if of you, the races. Yeah, if you stayed in the area, like mm-hmm. around kind of like the Anheuser Busch factory area, you could easily ride to each course. Oh yeah, and that's and you kind of touched on an interesting point. Like with a lot of the other stage races I've done. The transfers are like pretty long, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's like Toad where it's the Milwaukee area, which means that each race is in a different town with uh, the Intelligentsia Cup. It's the Chicago area where the races are in a different town where, you know, one state, the difference between like two stages, like the farthest one north and the farthest one south, like for Toad, if you look at Grafton and like Kenosha, that's. Mm -hmm. That's almost a two-hour drive. So I think you might have told this to me. It might have been somebody else. But in 2015, the budget forklifts team from Australia came yes. out. And they did not rent a car. They didn't realize how far away the courses were from each other. So they came here and uh, got off at uh, the airport. What's it called? Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah. And just with their bikes. They thought that they were going to ride. They thought they were going to ride stages. between the courses. And they're like, uh, we, didn't have, we don't have a car to drive two hours tomorrow. Yeah, especially when you're going from, like, Grafton to Waukesha. Like, that right there is a solid, like, 45-minute yeah. drive. Someone so. did that um, this even, actually even worse this year. The guy who was in the lead for the overall of Toad mm-hmm. wasn't expecting to do all of Toad. Because oh, he didn't think yeah. he'd be in the overall. And he's in first place, and then found out he's like, "I'm not going to go do like Canada Nationals. Instead, I'm going to finish this out." But had no host housing or car, so he would stay after the race and like ask people to like stay with them. You would think that he could have some serious Uber cash though after winning all of that money. He probably had prizes. some cash. Yeah, probably had some cash. Yeah, he was maybe paying his way in rides. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But that's. I mean, I think he was a college student too. Yeah. So. And living that broke life, man. Yeah, living living the broke bike racer, ten dollars a day life. Yeah, ten dollars um, a day. Yeah, that's, shout, that's out, my... shout out to Phil Guyman. <laughs> Cycling and ten dollars a day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think a, another race that does a similar thing is like Tulsa Tough. I know. Okay. They also have a similar format where everything is within Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's just in the different districts of the town, which is really cool because you get to show off one city. Is that similar? To... Is uh, Athens like that? 
So you're thinking of Speed Week. Speed Week. That's not like that. It's actually there's different races in different states. So it's oh. st- so the, that's actually the transfers are the longest. Oh, I always thought all the races were like in Athens because I knew that was like it's for I sure think. South Carolina, Georgia, oh. and there. You know what? There might be a North Carolina race okay. in there too. But wow. Speed How Week do people is people do that. They just drive. Well, it's only it's uh, so the races go. Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, so the Friday, Saturday, okay. Sunday races are the closest ones together. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it makes rough. it difficult. Yeah, and I know the natural state criterium, which is in Arkansas. I think mm-hmm. they do the same thing where it's like it's basically in like Bentonville, Arkansas. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're all within the town. They're just showing off different parts of the town, though. Yeah, I think you know, that's awesome. It'd be cool if Milwaukee did something like that. Like well, you have. Toad. Well, no, no, no. But I mean, keeping it, keeping it in oh. Milwaukee. Well, see, that's why it's so difficult for for Toad to do that. It's because you know, first off, M- Milwaukee isn't really the best place to organize a bike race. So there, so in, to do an eleven day bike race inside of Milwaukee is a pretty big feat. Yeah, I guess you're right there. It's different with a three day or a four day event. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty easy. You know, with Milwaukee, you could do like a day in the third ward, a day downtown, and a day, mm-hmm. I don't know, on the east side or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Whereas, yeah, for Toad, it's, it's 11 days long. There's no way. I mean, eventually, you'd have to make your way outside the city. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's why they do that. But yeah, I mean. But it, it really got me hooked I really on. I really liked the, uh, the whole idea of like a three day, four day race I, I feel like i i've been i've done you know like we were you go race like maybe twice on a weekend and then aside from that it's like oh it's a week long like crit like stage race so it was nice to do something that was kind of in the mm-hmm. middle of that like four days i think is perfect yeah in terms of also, the amount of racing you get in i really liked that the first day on friday the races were in the afternoon yeah that's cool so people could they like allowed people to travel on friday instead of taking time off on thursday yeah that's what really allowed us to go do the races um because we got in pretty late thursday night very late so if the race would have been like early friday we would have been dead i mean it wouldn't have been very fun but we raced at like six o'clock the next day yeah doing a twilight crit which that was kind of a cool experience it was awesome yeah you're used to watching the pros at that time and then you get to race at that time and it's like oh this must this is kind of what it's like huh? yeah yeah and then the pro race was at night for both the men and the women which is pretty cool I, i've only seen i think one or two pro races at night mm-hmm. but francis park was pretty well lit i think yeah in terms yeah. Of, i mean there was definitely some some parts of the course where it's like this is pitch black but aside from maybe like a stretch or two you can pretty much see everything going on yeah also too uh the monday the monday race was er- like kind of like what they did on friday and the monday race was just earlier I think we raced at noon when all of our other races. It, every day kind of got earlier and earlier. So yeah. we had we were at six and like three, then like one, and then at noon was the last day. So we were home by seven or eight o'clock. I think that's just the thing I really appreciated, which was how logically the weekend was set up. They were pretty efficient. It was perfect. You're you're right. It got earlier and earlier every single day. And then the last day, we were able to leave by, like, 1.30 after our races. Yeah, especially having, like, the pro race at, like, 5 or 6 o'clock. Like, I still felt like we could go do something in St. Louis. Yeah, which was great, too, for the city itself because, you know, the city, having the bike race there, the whole point is to, if you're an amateur, you know, like, go out and do stuff. Like, yeah. check out the city, you know, like, go go to a cool bar, you know, have, like, a good... I mean, we had some of, like, the best barbecue I've ever had in oh, St. Louis. Oh. It was so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
it's that's that's the reason why your race is over and stick around and watch the pro race too like that's pretty cool but you're right it was just an awesome experience to go do a race and actually have time to like explore yeah yeah all right so i mean any lasting thoughts on the the whole thing of of racing um i definitely want to go back that's that's for sure it's you know what it was the last crit race for us for the season and i just kind of like you know you almost hope like you walk away feeling relieved after the season's done and it just had kind of the opposite effect it kind of got me like psyched yeah i was like man this was so much fun like I just want to keep racing crits. The weather's still nice, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's kind of the way it goes, though. In the U.S., unfortunately, our, our race season like pretty much ends in September, so that's uh, that's it for us. Yeah, you know, I had to kind of force <clears throat> myself not to ride my bike this week, especially <laughs> because I just got a new bike. Oh, what'd you get, Ryan? Oh, a Specialized Allay 105 with the uh the silver one oh chrome, nice as some people would say so now you're going from a carbon bike to an aluminum bike yeah what's, what's the uh so what's, first yeah. off i want to say is uh i still think cannondale is the best brand okay i want to start off i think i think you're a little bit opinionated and maybe I, biased there i am i'm almost a sh- like i feel like i'm betraying myself by getting <laughs> a specialized could have got a cab I could have, but here's why I didn't. Now, I still think that I'll, I'll always recommend like a CAD or Super 6, but I want my goal is to make a crit machine. Oh, yeah. So I think in order to do that, I do think the allays are the best things to make a crit, just a strict crit, like aggressive, a crit bike. I, I think so... I'm sure plenty of people are willing to debate. I think the only debate that there can be had between what is the best aluminum bike is a CAD 10, not a CAD 12, a CAD 10, and the specialized Olay sprint frame. Yeah, I think... Because there's no other debate. There's no other mm-hmm. bikes that even come close in terms of geometry, uh, yeah. power transfer, um, just how durable the bikes are too, how light they are as aluminum bikes. Like that's that's the only two horses in the running. Yeah, and honestly, if someone asked me, like if someone new asked me, like I want to get into biking, I want to get just a a good aluminum bike, I will always say like CAD ten, CAD twelve. But if they said um, I want a strict racing bike because that's what I want to do, it's Mm -hmm. like I want something aggressive. I'm gonna recommend the LA. And that's actually what I bought as well. Yeah? I'll, I'll, what? Yeah, yeah. Yes. What? Is this a surprise? A, a, a bike race weekly? A double feature? Double feature. Yep, that's right. I bought the same bike. And you know what? It's not like uh, not like we're sponsored by Specialized or anything. No. I, I've had the CAD 10 before, which is one of my favorite bikes up until now. But I'm like, you know what? I wanted to go the same route. I'm like, I want something aluminum. I want something practical. And I want something fast. So I'm like... It's got to be the specialized away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a bomb bike. It's awesome. Yeah. Are we in the same kit again too? Oh my god, that's another surprise too. What? Yes. Yeah, we were we were wearing the same kit throughout the weekend. Rick and Ryan back at it back, again. T- the team dream wonder is back on the same level again. Yeah. Pro right. Cat threes, pro, baby. Pro Cat threes is how we're gonna be rolling. In 2019. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we uh 
uh, we are we are wearing uh, some some new skin suit. Uh, I've never actually owned like a, a good skin suit before. I've never owned a skin suit. So this weekend we had our, our buddy Rich Rich of Crit Fit Army was with us and we picked up one of his. Uh, I forgot the the actual name. The camo one. It's the camo one. It's his camo skin suit. Which you might think, oh, camo, it must be kind of weird. No, it's actually sick. We it's got a got, lot of compliments. Yeah, I, I, people kept coming up to me and be like, dude, where'd you get your skin suit? Mm-hmm. And it's the cool kind of skin suit that you can put on, and instead of being like um, super like tight, where you have to either keep it zipped up or zipped down, this was the kind where it had jersey flaps, so you could easily zip it up and down. And stay really cool because we were we were in like ninety degree weather, super humid yeah. all weekend. So I easily zipped it down when I was just riding around. Yeah, it was yeah. it was so nice. I really I really liked the. Uh, I was kind of skeptical because at first with just the jersey, I've always been kind of skeptical of the jersey things because I'm like, uh-huh. well, that's not a skin suit, right? But trying it on, like it felt like a skin suit, and it was you know it's just as arrow as a skin suit. It just it just fits more practically. Yeah, 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 that's a good way to put yeah. it. Yeah, so go check it out. Crit Fit Army, they have some awesome skin suits. They also have a, a really good sale going on right now, too, I think. Um, you know, some of their uh, 2018 apparel. So, yeah, go check it out. All right. So, uh, anything you want to say about, like, say about your new bike? Well, it's the same bike as yours. Yeah. I got a size 52. You got plans for it or anything? Plans for it. Um, not yet. I think I got, like... I basically have from now until the start of next race season to really kind of get it like dialed in in terms of it's going to be a crit machine that's for sure like it all it's I almost want to get two of them so one of them can be like kind of my like training bike and the other one be like the, the dialed crit machine I think I'm gonna go one buy on it probably yeah um but my recommendation for anybody that wants to do one buy I think it's a really good option for people that especially if you race a lot of crits and you live in the Midwest, you have plenty of range in terms of gears. Um, I think it's it's really sweet, but do it like the correct way. Go with um, go with like the Saram one by build. Yeah, and you know, after doing one by this year, mm-hmm. the one thing I uh, I really wish I had was clutch. Yeah, and that's the reason why I recommend that. You can get like a wolf tooth component, or it you- still works. But it, it if does. you hit a good bump, it'll come off. Yeah, so the reason why you'd want to get like a, a specifically designed one-by drivetrain instead of like a Shimano kind of wolf tooth component rigged one-by drivetrain is um, the SRAM is more optimized for um, for to keep the chain on, essentially. Yeah, it's it got keeps a, the derailleur tight Yeah. so you don't get any chain slap. Yeah, a clutch rear derailleur, so that's really nice to keep it in there. Um, I know a lot of people, you included, Ryan, drop a lot of chains on I've only, only dropped two. Only two. two. But that's two more than I've had this year. But to be honest, I think I've dropped more when I did have a two-by than really? I did. Well, here's the thing. Okay. Is that there's nothing when you have a normal chainring on there, there's nothing really keeping it on the chainring, and that's why you'll get a drop chain. Is because if you still hit a bump, it's gonna come off really easily. Yeah. Where with a like a wolf tooth, it has the narrow wide. So if you do hit like a bump, it's it's really like dug into mm-hmm. the chain ring, so it's not gonna come off so easily. So to be yeah. honest, I was losing chains just as much with a two by. And the big difference too with a wolf tooth is that unless you're running an empty front derailleur as a chain guide, they actually don't make a chain guide that's big enough to fit like a road 
crank. That blew my mind. Yeah. Like when I, I so thought like, they had a chain guide. So like what's pretty standard is like a 50 tooth front chain ring yeah. for like a one by wolf tooth drivetrain. You, you essentially you have nothing to hold the, like to guide the chain or guard the chain unless you put your front derailleur back on, which at that point it's like, might as well just have yeah. a two by. If I do get a uh, one by again, I'm going to get a 52 tooth. 52 tooth. Yeah. So that's really going to be just for racing then. Well, to be honest, even with my 50 tooth, I was honestly more towards the the bottom half of my yeah. chain ring than I ever was in my top half. And I don't think I ever used like the top two or three. So there's, there was, um, there's not really a point to have. A, you, you heard it first here. Ryan, Ryan, yeah. 52 tooth Gerard. And you know, I'll do a 34, 11 and that's more than enough gears. Yeah. That's a good point. I really, the little bit of time that I've ridden on this 50 tooth. 52 tooth I'm really digging yeah. I, just, I, I just feel better because I feel like I have more momentum when I'm when I'm pedaling and I'm going from a compact to a 52 as well yeah. so I think it'll be interesting I had a 53 with my CAD uh, like last year CAD 10 and I thought that was a little bit too big it was fine for racing it was perfect for racing but like a lot of times you go out for a recovery ride and every time I'd hit like a kind of a steeper incline You'd be like, ugh, I can't really, I can't really spin on this. So I think a fifty-two is going to be perfect. Yeah. All right. So back to racing. Back to racing. So let's break it down. Day number one. Day Lafayette one. Park. Lafayette Park was a really fast four-corner crit. It had a slight, slight uphill, slight well, downhill. slight downhill on the start, stri- start yeah. finish stretch, and then you'd hit the base of that. And it'd be kind of a slight uphill around the course, so you yeah. never actually felt like you were you were going uphill. It was kind of like a very very false flat. But and the roads were almost like four lanes wide all the way around. And the pavement was just perfect. Perfect. It was so smooth. It was so nice. It was so fast. Yeah. So it's it was essentially just a flat four corner super wide roads. Mm-hmm. So when you're when you're going around the corners. You could, you could, so what I did most of the race was I sat in the back and mm-hmm. I tail gunned. So when everyone was braking, I would go to the outside and I would seriously have like eight feet on the outside all the way around the corner and I could just coast down the entire straightaway, take that corner super fast and go up half the pack. Yeah, you were looking pretty fresh that race. So yeah, in that race, um, what happened at the very end, and I have GoPro footage of all this up on our YouTube channel. You can go check that out, Bike Racing Weekly on YouTube. Yep, go check it out. So um, what happened was on that last lap, actually I should say the last three laps, Rick actually gave me a bit of a lead out to get me to the front. And then in the last lap, I kind of went around Rick and then perfectly timed. There was a kid from Donkey Label who went right up the side and then tried to go off the front and I just sat on him. And then the group caught up to us and I just stayed at the front and then a guy went again, and I tried stay, sticking on him. And then around almost to the last corner was when the guy in front of me died, and then we kind of started getting swarmed. Mm-hmm. So, like, almost to the last corner was where I started my sprint. So it was a pretty long sprint just because if you get swarmed, excuse, if you get swarmed at the end, and then you can you don't have anywhere to go. You could be 15 wheels back. You have zero chance. So if you're sprinting at the at going into the last corner, at least you have positioning. And that's what's hard about some of these races too. We talk about how easy it was and how fast it was to sit in on this race, but the the, the spot when these races get really hard is the last like 
two laps, because the race was so easy, you have 50 guys that think that they can win the race. And 50 guys that legitimately can be at the front of the race yeah, uh, because the roads are so wide as well. So, you know, there's a huge element of luck in the last, like, lap on some of these races. Yeah, so it's essentially, like, at least a, like, almost like a two-minute sprint with, like, a a 10 or 15 all-out sprint. Yeah, I'd say that's a good way to describe it. So it's, it's like, you're pushing your VO2 for the entire last lap, and then that last straightaway is, like, your all-out effort. Whatever you have left. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's tough, but, I mean... If you, if you if you can get used to those situations and you get really comfortable in those you can be you you can stay calm kind of what uh, Bahati was saying in in that interview that we had with him was oh yeah being calm and being able to analyze what's going around on around you and to know what to do in you know those hectic situations yeah sprinting's not about watts it's about being able to just you know play poker with everybody around you you know like even the guy that's in front of you like I'm always looking at his body language when I'm when I'm moving up the side with somebody or I'm on the right side. It's like, oh, is this guy dropping his heels? Is he looking tired on the bike? Because if he looks tired, he's only going to move backwards, and that means I'm going to move backwards. Yeah. So you're always assessing how everybody's feeling and looking around you. Yeah, and you know, I was I was on a guy who I thought was super strong, and throughout yeah. the weekend, he he placed like top fifteen in every race. And I thought he was going to take me to the finish line, and all of a sudden he just dies, and everybody swarms us. So I think it was still a good call, but that being said, it didn't work out the way I thought it was going to yeah, work out. Only so much you can do in those situations. Yes. So uh, to be honest, I'm pretty happy with with how the sprint went. Uh, seventh good. place. That started off my weekend pretty confident. Yeah, solid. Yeah. Um, I spent the race trying to get in the breakaway. Um, you know, like really, really fast finishes are not good finishes for me. I need the race to be like, I'm a, so I'm a little bit of a lighter guy. Um, I need the race to be really hard and to kind of beat up those fast finishers. So I tried to get in a couple different breakaways. One of them early on looked pretty solid. I, I bridged up, I got there and then nobody, everybody's out of gas. So came back and then kind of went, launched another attack about halfway through the race uh, same thing, no dice. Uh, got a little bit off the front, and then everybody just kind of wanted to, to get a free ride. So that wasn't going to work. And then towards the end, yeah, I just I tried to get you into the best position I could. Yeah. And then I just kind of pulled the plug then on the last lap, and mm-hmm. that was my race. I I thought that you were that, – that break you went into after the first preem, I thought that was going to stick. You know, it had two really strong riders in it, and they let us get a little bit of a gap. You had like a half of a um – like a road length yeah but one of the guys was just kind of fried and then the other guy who was a really strong rider on butcher box he just uh he saw that the other guy was tired and he's like well i'm not gonna do all the work so then yeah i i was the third one that got into the break and by the time i was there it was the consensus was we're going back so yeah you know, it was kind I, of a I bummer was, now sitting at the front for rick slowing down the pace and thinking like they have a big gap. Yeah, you blocked perfectly for if that. If they have, if they can, like that, this will stick. And I was, I was full on ready to just sit at the front and chase anyone that tries to like pick up the pace uh-huh. and sit on their wheel. So when they pull off, I'm at the front again, slowing down the pace, allowing you guys to get more and more of a gap. Yeah. And I, I for a second, I thought that was gonna happen. I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. And that was, it was a lot of fun too, trying to force the break. I know that's like, that's kind of my big, I guess goal going into 2019 is to kind of become more of that rider where 
you know, I've, I've got an okay finish. It's not great. I can always get fifth place, it seems like, in most races, but I'm very bad at, like, that really fast finish. So, you know, my game is just uh, to be uh, off the front and in some kind of breakaway, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was, the, that was the first day. Let's first talk about day. the second day, then. Well, let's talk about the, the, the rest of the, the, the oh, first yeah, day, too. Oh, yeah, the other races, too. Yeah, so, yeah. pro women's race. Pro women's race. Super fast race. Um... Let's see. That was a field sprint, and I believe it was... We didn't see it because we were stuck at a restaurant <laughs> for two and a half hours. We were patiently waiting to get Mexican food for two hours. That's it how took, long it took. It took two hours to get our food. Yes. And then it took another, like, you know, you eat your food in 20, 30 minutes, but then it took another half hour for them to, like take our take our payment it was it was painfully slow we were there for like three hours yeah so we ended up watching the women's field from kind of the side of the race course and your winner for that race was skylar schneider oh from uh well Hagen no no she was racing with is core yeah and she also rides during the normal season with Bulls Doman's uh, women's world tour team. Who is it? Uh, Bulls Doman. Okay, I got that totally wrong. Yeah, totally. Gosh, right. Get your get your teams right. Get your D one crit teams right. Um, so yeah, it was the podium of her. Um, I believe her sister Samantha Schneider was second place. Wow. So probably providing the lead out. Doubling up. And then our national champion Leanne Ganser was the third place to round up the podium. Alright. So that Who was the she women's race. race. For? She races for uh Wolfpack Hyperthreads. Okay. Wolfpack presented by Hyperthreads yeah. racing. Yeah. I believe they're out of Texas actually. Okay. Yeah. So that was a really fast race. Like what well, like we said, it ended pretty much in a field sprint. Uh with the men's race it was a different story. The men's race was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. This was only an hour long race, and like we said, a super flat fast race. Probably the the least likely race to ever end in a breakaway. Oh my gosh! But, it was like it was more likely to end in a sprint than like downer is. But three riders got off the front early in the race, probably early, 20, right away. It, no, no later than twenty minutes into the race, those riders were Ty Magner, Griffin Easter, and Thomas Rivard. Uh, Ty Magner is our current U.S. Uh, national Criterium champion. He's he. I think he's won stages of like Dubai. Uh, California, Utah, Colorado. He's a bomb sprinter. He's Absolutely. like the best sprinter the U.S. has right Probably. Now. One of the best. Thomas Rivard is currently on the Action Hoggins Pro Continental team. He's the Redlands champion for the 2018 edition, which is a uh, very coveted stage race in the U.S. That is um, like the biggest like non-world tour American race. Correct. I would agree with that. And then we also had Griffin Easter of the 303 project out of Colorado in the uh, in the breakaway. Yeah, 303 came out big this week. They came with, out big. They came with a, a bus. Yeah, they had a sem- they had their like semi race rig. They were the only ones I think yeah. that had like that kind of rig. That's crazy. Yeah. So the breakaway took it to the line. I think they got up to like 30 seconds and it got down to about 10 seconds. Maybe maybe more than that. Maybe 15. And 30 seconds does not sound like much, but when they averaged, the breakaway averaged 30 miles per hour. When a lap is a minute and a half, 30 seconds is huge. Yeah. I mean, that's not coming back. We thought, they were they had a 30 second gap and we thought that they were going to lap the field. Oh, they got, at one point, yeah, they, I think they might have gotten halfway, maybe. Yeah. But it was so. ridiculous. So, um, Ty Magner ended up taking that one home. 
Um, you could kind of tell that Ty Magner and um, Thomas Rivard were probably the strongest riders in that breakaway. Oh, for sure. And Griffin Easter was definitely holding his own, but uh, Thomas Rivard attacked on the backside of the course with one to go. Ty Magner countered and took it to the line, being that he is the best sprinter in that group. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the race. In the race, really. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> All right. Which is clear because he won three out of the four days. <clears throat> Correct. Took, took second on the yeah, day. Spoil, he did win. Spoiler. Spoiler. Alert. Yeah. All right. So, um, anything else you want to say about that day? Anything besides racing? Um, no, I think we can move on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You? yeah. Uh, I want to say that coffee shop we went to was awesome. Oh, if you remember yeah. the name, Park do not. Coffee. Park. I don't even remember the name. All right, but that was the best. One of the best parts too about the weekend was there was always coffee on course. You know a good coffee shop if when they have uh, cold brew on tap. Oh yeah, that was great. Yes. All right, I can't agree more. Okay, <laughs> day two. Day two. Francis uh, Park. Francis Park. Yes. A yeah. Similar course design. Very similar. A little bit more of an elevation, but there was, not much. There was. I would call it a gentle rise gentle on rise. The, after the start finish. So the start finish was still like a like a very subtle downhill. Yeah. Another super fast finish, and yeah, right after that was a gentle rise into the backside of the course, which had a nasty downhill that had a pothole yeah. on the side of the road that oh. they didn't mark. The pothole had claimed multiple riders. That a day. lot of riders. It almost claimed me. I, I almost sm- got me too. I smoked it and a hand came off the bar and I Both almost, my hands came off. I, I think I, I might have pooped my pants or something <laughs> like that because I was so freaked out. I don't think like, I was ever more scared of like crashing in a race and we before were, than that because we were we going, going like 35, 35 miles, miles per hour. Yeah. So for, <clears throat> excuse me, for our race, the Cap 3 race, um, it was also a field sprint that day. So yep. nothing got away. Um, I thought the race was, so for the first probably 20 minutes, I stayed pretty close to the front just to see what would happen. And the race was really aggressive at the front in terms of people jockeying for position. A couple moves were going off and a couple moves looked really good. Um, so anytime that happens, I would generally move to the front and just kind of wait and see what the general vibe was, if they are getting chased down. Do you know something I notice is that uh, what happens is a couple of riders will go off the front, they'll get a gap, and nobody actually chases the move. What happens is riders try to bridge the move, and they do a pretty poor attempt at bridging, and they end up just kind of like creating this really strung out like field. Yeah. Pulling it all together. And then that kind of initiates like a chase. Yeah. So that happened over and over again, where I think a breakaway actually might have stuck this day, but anybody, like, you know, a group of four would get up the road, the fifth guy would try to bridge, and he would just take everybody with him to the breakaway. Yeah, you know, too, I saw so many times that, like, people put such an effort to get into the breakaway that once they got to the breakaway, they wouldn't want to put any risk in because they just they sold thought, themselves to get up there. They thought they were going to get the free ride. There yeah. was a breakaway, I think, the first day that had, like, ten people in it, and I was near the front because I was about to Getting go. ready to go, yeah. Yeah, but then I was watching just the, the body language of everyone, they were just all staring at each other, and pretty quick it we was just crazy. brought them back in. I was like, that if if five one hundred percent would have gone. If five of the guys would have worked in the breakaway, it would have hundred percent worked. Yeah, hundred because nobody was chasing. No. I, I don't even know how we pulled them back. They just they just sat up. Yeah, ten riders. Right, but Ryan, you had a similar day the yeah. second day, right? You just kind of sat at the back and tailgate. Yeah, the difference though between the first day and the second day was I think people figured out that you could take those corners super wide. Uh huh. So the outsides were were very like clustered. 
Oh, I, I there's can a lot see of that. Peop- there's a lot of people taking the turns super wide, especially because one of the turns, it had like, uh, after that big downhill, the turn had like three manhole covers, but they were like elevated a few inches off the ground. So if you hit those, like it, you smacked them. Yeah. So everybody was trying to stay to the outside, and then up the uh, the straightaways, everybody like filled the entire road trying to get position. So the entire race was just one big cluster. It was it was actually quite hard to move up because it was, the, it was fanned out. Yeah. So with a couple laps to go, again, this just wasn't a day for me. So I, I really wanted to try to get you to the front, and I kept moving up, moving up, and you were pretty close, if not on my wheel. But you know, once we get probably to like the tenth wheel, it would just swarm all yeah. over again. So and, as, if you got to the front, all of a sudden, like everybody would take up the entire almost again almost four lanes of road and swarm the entire side. Mm-hmm. So, and unless you were at the front just drilling it, you were going to get swarmed. Yeah, unless you were probably top five wheels, um, you were basically protected. But anything below that, you were always in risk of getting overtaken by more riders. Yeah, so it was just that classic washing machine of you just had to be lucky with your positioning. Yeah, so uh, we didn't have that luck. On, we didn't on have day a great two. day. No, I, I tried to get you up there. Um, we got pretty close again, same thing swarmed. And then with, with, you know, a couple laps to go, uh, we were looking pretty good, probably three mm-hmm. laps to go, but by one lap to go, yeah. I think we were probably th- I think, 30 wheels back. I think overall I'm happy with it because mm-hmm. I mean, that was, that's such a new experience for us. And yeah, we don't race a lot of crits that are that fast yeah. with that many riders. And to still take, I think I still took like. I don't know, like 22nd or 25th out of like, there was like Like a hundred, there was close to a hundred riders in that race. So yeah, I mean, overall, I don't think we really did that bad. No. And I mean, I would just try to like, I was just trying to get you to the front and even, even with pulling the plug, I was still, you know, like on that day, I think I took like 37th out of like, yeah. Yeah. Like a 90 or I think it was like 90. Yeah. 90 something. So yeah, I mean, it it was, it was what it was. Mm -hmm. It was a good, it was still a fun race though. It was was really fun. And that's, you know what, that's the perk. If you're ever just wanting to like chill out at the back tail gun, you can just kind of like hang out. You know, that's a crew back there. Oh yeah, that's crew. There's some solidarity among the, uh, the, the thick tail gunners. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't worry too much about what's going on in the race. Just hang out until there's five laps (laughs) to go. Then start moving up. If a breakaway goes up the road, you know, okay. That's not you. That's fine. That's hey, the, as long as you are in the mix for the sprint, who cares what goes up the road? It's your game that day, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, rest of the day, I want to I talk about that pizza we had. Oh, gosh. That was the best pizza. It one of great. the best pizzas I've ever had. That was great pizza. We It was one of those times where you didn't realize how big of a pizza you were going to get. You know, yeah, that's and, we were, and this was right after our race, so we had we were just empty, and I was so hungry. I'm not gonna lie, they, pizza places need to to size their pizza differently. They can't tell you 12, 14, or 18 inch. They have to put you the sizes on means. the wall. You, you don't know yeah, what that means. Yeah, 12 inches. When I'm hungry, all I look at is like the larger size, and I think, well, I've got to at least get that. Like, like that's got to be with the size. They I need mean. to be like 18 inch, a flat crust. They need to then put like yeah. You'll struggle with this one, putting it down by yourself, but maybe two or three people. Right. Give you a scale like this is for one very hungry person, one force. Yeah. People that just want a snack. Yeah. Yeah. They need to do that because we over uh, thought what we could actually eat. Oh, yeah. Got a ton of pizza. Big time. Big time. Ooh, but that margarita. Oh, the margarita pizza. 
was mm. oh delicious. Mm. Uh, I don't even remember the name of that place, but all I know is we're going back there. Oh yeah, the next time we do this race. Oh yeah, they were super nice too. Oh, they were so nice. Yeah, so people nice. in St. Louis are really nice. They were really nice. Yeah, it's kind of like that southern hospitality. Yeah, but everybody talks a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah. Well, we could talk about the pro races. Yeah, now. women's women's race. Oh, do we also want to mention on that day as well? We sat down with the Cliff Bar team. We did. We got a chance to actually sit down with the Cliff Bar team. We got to talk to them a little bit about how their season's going. You know how all those guys get through such a long season. A lot of those guys basically race from February through September. <clears throat> so we'll have that in another podcast, actually. Yeah, and also, you know, shout out to the Cliff Bar team because oh, yeah. they won the overall for the USA Crit Series. Yeah, and a really, really cool bunch of guys, too. They were super happy just to, like, talk to us, hang out. Yeah. We were literally just, I, like, walked up to them in, like, my race skin suit, and I was like, hey, guys, can we, like, hang out? And they were like, yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so, you know what they say? Don't meet your heroes, but these guys were so cool. Yeah, so cool. They, were, they were awesome, and it was... You know, it's like people you always see on, uh, you know, the social medias. If you're watching all the big crits, they're always at the front of the races. So it was kind of like weird to like talk to somebody. It's like, man, I've watched you race all the time. And I feel like a stalker because I've just seen you through my like laptop and TV a lot. Yeah. You know, and what always kind of sticks out to me about for like people like that is like when we sat down with them, the first <clears> things <throat> they, they said, like they were asking about who we are and yeah. like what we were doing and stuff. And yeah. I was like, that, that's just like what a good person does. And they were super relaxed. I think, I don't think it's any like secret or surprise that that is the team that won the USA crits overall series yeah. because they were really vibing together and they were also two riders on the overall USA crits podium. You know, there's a lot to be said about having a really serious program with really regimented riders, but I think at the end of the day, team cohesion and fun is like the two most important things in success. And like bike racing is such a hard sport that you just can't be that serious about it. Yeah, and it's like, so cutthroat. It's, it's so a lot cutthroat. of it's, it's a lot of time sp- away, a lot of time on your bike, a lot right. of staying in like crappy hotels or with people you don't know. Yeah, so if you if you want to make it as serious as possible you're just you're never going to succeed and i think that's why those guys are always so successful yeah so shout out to those guys yeah. big congrats and you'll listen, you'll hear their interview in probably our next episode yep. maybe maybe if not the episode after that yeah so watch out for that yeah so we can talk about the women's race All right. uh women's race was another fast race another field sprint as well we had a lot riders going off the front all day it was never it was non-stop attacks but at the end of the day it was Harriet Owen from Hoggins Berman Cycling uh, taking home the W with Samantha Schneider in second place and Tina Pick in third from Colavita. Ooh, Samantha Schneider was killing it. Yeah, she's the your USA Crits 2018 champion. She's basically been on the podium at I think every single USA Crit. I mean, domination is an understatement. She and just a Milwaukee native. That's right. From Wisconsin. From Wisconsin. We should probably get her on the podcast. Represent. Being that it's a Wisconsin podcast. Yeah. From Wisconsin. Maybe. Uh, Samantha, if you listen to this, yeah. uh, send us a DM <laughs> just on j- bike underscore racing underscore weekly on Instagram. Yeah. I know you're probably super famous and with lined up with interviews after your, all your success, but you know, we'd be happy to get you on the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she listens. <laughs> of course she does. Okay. Our millions of followers. Someone, someone's got to know her. Someone's got to listen. All right, so for the men, on the other hand, it was another fast day. Did not end in a breakaway. No. Nope. Multiple uh, 
six plus rider brakes came off the front kind of early on in the race i thought that was going to take it to the line especially with how yesterday panned out but it indeed was a field sprint and it was pretty cool watching this race too because we had so many teams there we had essentially the battle of the lead out trains between um between rally cycling between the 303 project between cliff bar so it was a super tight race and a super fast finish but your U.S. national champion, Ty Magner, again, took it to the line. Of course. Of course. It wasn't even a surprise. He Not knows, a surprise. He knows what he's doing. Um, your, let's see, your second place uh, victor was Andrew Dahlheim. And, from? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, from uh, Hincapie, Hollisco oh, okay. Citadel. Yeah. Um, and third place was former crit and road national champion Eric Marcotte on the UHC, UHC cycling team. Of course. Yeah, Eric yeah. Marcotte is a staple around the crit scene. Now he's doing more road racing with UHC, some uh, international stuff too. Yeah, they but, got rid of their crit team. Yeah, and they're actually folding next year as a team. Oh, that's right. Yep, yep. So he, but he's a really fast rider. There's no doubt that he's going to be able to find a job. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that was the men's race. That was day two. All right, what about uh, anything else from day two? Day two. That stuck um, out? Um... There was a sweet coffee shop like in the middle of the park, in the middle of the oh, course. Oh, that's right. Uh, that was like a that was awesome. That was perfect placement. Yeah. You know, I was walking around the course, and all I started to think was, "Man, this kind of stinks. I'm gonna have to go find coffee like away from the course. I don't like riding my bike mm-hmm. like around places I don't know and different neighborhoods." And all of a sudden. We were wandering into the middle of the course, and there's like a, an awesome coffee shop right in the park. It was so perfect. It was just so, like a little little shack. Yeah, look for that next time you're there. Whoever's oh, listening, yeah. doing gateway it's near cup. The, it's near the tennis courts. That's where you get your coffee. Yep. 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 Okay, so yeah, I think that wraps it up for day two. Yeah, yeah. Right. We went back to the hotel and hung out outside near the pool. Yeah, that was a great time. That was fun. Just Had a few beers, relaxed. Yeah, put the feet up. Of course. Yeah. All right. Well, day three. Um, was that uh, the, the Montagna? Hill? Giro della Montagna. I don't know. Yeah, all of the uh, fire hydrants were actually painted as Italian yeah, flags. They painted the road Italian flag color. You know, people said this was the Italian neighborhood, and I thought that meant there was just a lot of Italian restaurants. Yeah. It was super Italian. It was very Italian. There was like like sculptures and statues in front of a lot of the buildings. Every building had some kind of Italian name on it. Yeah, it had that like Italian vibe. It just was throughout. yeah. And this was the day we were talking about, which was like a trench in terms yeah. of race course. So, um, yeah, I we'll don't, start. Oh, go well, ahead. Go well, ahead. I just want to touch on the on the course is on the back side going into the third corner on the rectangle course. There was like, it, I don't even know if you want to call it a hill, but it was just a long like uphill stretch that wasn't like super steep or anything, but it was just super long, and I think that's what like slowly just kind of dug into you and you know in a crit you you look at these like slight uphills and slight downhills and you think that's not even a hill you know like if you compare it to an actual climb but you gotta think like when you're doing this on a course and you're just taking it every like minute it i mean that kills you like it really hurts you know like you're basically like shooting up the hill because everybody goes hard up the hill turn around Everybody goes hard down the hill, so you're not really coasting. And then you do the whole thing over again. Yeah, and there it was a super tight course, so like there was a lot of breaking through the corners. Yeah. So when our race started, I just wanted to stay relatively close to the front most of the race. And I think we did a good job of that. Pretty good. Yeah. I stayed probably no farther than twenty wheels back. 
couple attacks went off early on in the race. I tried to get into one because they had a big gap and they were organized. I saw that, yeah. And I shot up to them and uh, I got up to them, sat on for just a few seconds and then took a really hard pull and thinking like, okay, we're going to keep this. And, you know, I flicked the elbow and then nobody works. I think, you know, the... The more I do crits, the more I kind of look at what breakaways work and what breakaways don't work. And it's never the breakaway that has to force itself off the front that works. It's always the breakaway that rolls off the front that works. Yeah, because there's always, like, one guy who's, like, super determined. And, you know, what happens is when when the field is going at light speed and everybody attacks off the front, you form a breakaway, you get a gap, but you have to push so hard to get separation that you know it just never sticks because everybody's so gassed you know like it's not that the breakaway didn't want to work you just probably like cracked the whip and nobody had legs to go yeah so in in all real in in reality you know when your move came back that's probably the time where i should have gone because we weren't going as fast we reeled you guys in um, and I could have rolled off doing, you know, 350 watts for like, you know, a solid amount of time, gotten a gap. And then at that point, you didn't zap your legs sprinting off the front of the field. But anyways, um, that was probably the move you were in was the only serious move that went off the front. I think it was pretty much just people jockeying on the front the rest of the day. There was really no serious attacks that stayed away for longer than a couple seconds. Yeah, you know, that. the one thing I noticed about this race that was different from the last races was... Uh, first off, there it, it was it was a really tight course, so people were doing a lot of breaking in corners, trying mm-hmm. to get into the position in the corners, and then two, there was never really a time where people let off. No, you know, so I think people were just so gassed from just drilling, drilling like the Packers was drilling it the entire time that. Nobody really thought even to go off the front because of how fast we were moving. And these are this is starting to get into the, the kind of courses that suit me pretty well. Yeah. Where I'm, like I said, I'm a lighter rider. I float up the hills pretty well. And it's just so hard that people towards the back of the field are just hanging on. So, like, for me, to stay at the front was, like, pretty easy. Like, it was still a really hard race, but I could move up when I wanted to. Like, I wasn't hanging on. I was still racing. Yeah, and, you know, for me, for I would say... About 90% of that race, I really wasn't having a, tr- uh, a problem, but it was kind of that last 10%, like that last like five laps of, of the race where I was really hurting and going up that hill was really just starting to dig into me, mm-hmm. where I knew I wasn't going to get dropped, but I was just struggling to hang on. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, like that's, and you're about 15 pounds heavier than I am yeah it's not a huge difference because you're taller you know you're probably stronger than I am but I mean it, it just adds up over 30 laps or yeah however yeah. many laps we did but towards the end of the race I was in really good position probably with two to go and then with one to go I was sitting top 10 wheels where I wanted to be and we hit the last hill and we just kind of slowed down a little too much it wasn't strung out anymore and it was just kind of the story of the weekend where there was so many riders that just once we hit that hill, they just swarmed up. And I was all of a sudden, I went from 10th wheel back to 20th wheel, and then I finished 20th in the race. Yeah, and I think that was the, the biggest difference between um, our races. And Do you want me to pause? No, you're fine. Okay. Yeah, keep going. Between our races here and you know our typical races is because we typically don't really get a swarm like that. If it's going to swarm it, there's a small swarm and you don't really notice it. 
But when you have 90 people and 50 people swarm, you're, you're just going to get caught in that. And it's tough to know what to do in, in that situation. Yeah, for sure. And even the races I think that we do around here, um, they're, I think we do a lot more of those really hard crits with less with fewer riders. So you get to the end and it's like if you made it into the, the top 15 riders, you're pretty much, you know, like you're going light speed and you never really have to worry about moving up. It's just getting there. Whereas yeah, I think yeah. a lot of times in these races that we were doing for Gateway, it was more defending your position on the last lap. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. And then that night we did not stay for the, the pro race, but it was a PRT event. It was. And it was actually the last, the final event for the USA Crit Series. Yep. So even though this was Gateway, it's it was a series in and of itself. Uh, USA Crits had its own series. And in the women's race, it was, again, same thing, field sprint. Um, and your national champion, Leanne Ganser, took home the win in a, in a hotly contested field sprint with, uh, and Leanne Ganser, excuse me, uh, Wolfpack, Hyper Threads, um, Skylar Schneider uh, of IS Corps came Killing second. It. Yep, same thing. And then let's see, third place, Starla uh, Tettergreen of uh, Hoggins Berman. All right. Yeah, Hoggins Berman Supermint. Excuse me. Okay. One of the coolest names yeah. in the field. And yeah, so that was a solid race for the women. Wrapping up the series was uh, Samantha Schneider with the overall jersey. Way to go, Samantha. Yeah, again, you know, Milwaukee native. Uh, some, says something about Wisconsin cycling. That's all, yeah, that's all yeah. I have to say. Um, in your men's race, uh, same thing, field sprint. And uh, would you be surprised if I told you that Ty Magner was uh, at the front of the race? Oh, I thought he's like second place in that day. No, he, no, he won. He, he won. He won the second oh, okay. day. Yep. And we've got a familiar podium because in second place we have Griffin Easter of the 303 Project and then Noah Granigan of the CCB team. Okay. Yep. Which I believe is uh, East Coast. Okay. Located on the yeah. East Coast. Yeah. So yeah, another solid day of race. And Congrats, guys. Again, Ty Magner, at this point, three for three. Um, just killing it. Killing it. Yeah. If I was that good at sprinting, I would... Uh, <laughs> he must make some good money in, in preems and yeah right stuff. yeah to be able to kind of roll off the front just mm-hmm. you know snap I, I mean, wonder if he could like support himself like if he wanted if he, if he just, just wanted like, to like go to all if the he crits. did like a crit life team and he's um, just like let i i'm the best sprinter in the world i don't know <laughs> in the world well he's not in he's the country one, let's just go to all these races and just rack in money yeah that's tough because he has some really good teammates he's got oh. brad huff also a former criteria he's done National though he's retired champion. ah that's so sad man brad huff was like it's 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 sad and at the same time it's cool that Brad Huff had such mm-hmm. a long career. Now into his forties, I believe he is forty, maybe forty one. Yeah. He raced with uh, Phil Guyman. He did. He did. I forgot what team that was on that they raced I together. I believe it was Bissell. Okay. I say it was okay. Bissell. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, Brad Huff's had a super long career. Uh, again, the Criterium National Champion in twenty sixteen. Yes, twenty sixteen. Um, and so he was in the race. They had Jesse Anthony of the rally cycling team was also in the race. I think they might've had another teammate or two, but those guys are just so strong. I mean, they really controlled the field for, for Ty Magner. If, uh, if they weren't on the front pulling the brake back, they were in the brake, just kind of sitting on trying to get to the line. Yeah. Imagine if like just those three got like a bike sponsor, <laughs> a small like sponsor to pay for like the races and then just 
took that money. I think Rally probably pays him a little bit better still. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, you know what? Know. You wish you wish some of that talent would stay in the crit scene, right? Right. You wish Ty Magner would be around for more than just the Gateway Cup and Nationals. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, anything to say about the rest of the day? Well, um, we got some barbecue after that. Uh, amazing yeah. barbecue. So we headed out after after our race is not too not we too late. To, we wanted to go downtown St. Louis. Yeah, we we did the touristy thing. We checked out the yeah, arch. Yeah, saw how that was. Um, cool, I guess. You know, it's yeah, it's, it's made of metal. I'm not gonna lie, we arch. killed our legs walking around. Though. Oh my god, yeah, I was so tired. <laughs> <laughs> we when we got back to the hotel. Uh, we did we dip in, take a dip we in the to, pool. We took uh, a dip in the pool before, before barbecue. Yeah, yeah, that felt great. But we, we got, went to an ice cream place. Oh, in yeah. our luck, again, we waited Every, like for ice cream for for four bowls of ice cream. We waited like an hour. We waited an hour. They they and were so to, oh, it was, bad there that they like kept skipping our order, grinding my gears. And I we, tell we had you, to go up there and be like, it was, hey, it was like four. It was like. No, it was like three 15-year-olds. Yeah. Like, I don't know where their manager was. There wasn't a manager. Oh, they was... just gave the monkeys the keys to the zoo. <laughs> Pretty much. That's how it went. And they had a drive through there. Oh, I, we don't have to talk about that anymore, but uh, <laughs> it was it was bad. We'll leave it at that. All right. So, last day, final day. The last day. The last day, the penultimate stage of the Gateway Cup. It at, was at Anheuser Busch factory in Benton Park. Yeah, that was, was the location. There was I want to say it was like eleven corners in this race. I'm not gonna lie, I think this was one of, if not the coolest crit courses I've ever done. Also one of the hardest. Almost so the the final distance was 1.7 miles, which is like yeah. twice as long as most crit courses. Yeah. Very technical. So there was kind of a long drag uphill right after the start finish. And then that took you around one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight different corners just on the back side of the course. There was eleven corners overall, but it was just super technical. Lots of chicanes. Um, oh my god, it was it was the hardest race of the series by far. Oh yeah, for that reason alone, I started right at the front of the race because I knew that if I got back, I didn't. It's one of those races where you. It's a fact that a large percentage of the field is going to get dropped. You just don't know what percentage that is. Yes. So I knew that if I stayed top 10 in the riders, I was safe. I would never had to worry about getting dropped. Breakaways might get off the front, but I had never had to worry about, like, getting dropped. Yeah. Um, I had less than a perfect race because I couldn't – okay, it was kind of like one of those things where I was half clipped into my shoe, but – it wasn't like clipped in and I couldn't like get it in. You got to get more aggressive when you line up I too. I that's like my, that's like my biggest reason. pet peeve when it oh, comes really? to people, not, not you or like anybody, but like, you know, you have to be on the front. Like this is the hardest race of the week. And like you can't start three rows back. Like, See, I don't. You gotta throw elbows. I try not you gotta to sneak worry. in. Well, you gotta worry sometimes. You gotta I try sneak not to in worry the about gaps. That. Here, here's why. Is because if I when I start off at the front, mm-hmm. I always go too hard. When when and then like a few laps later, I am like right where I would have been. Yeah, but the thing is with this race, if you didn't start at the front, you were gonna get caught behind gaps. Yeah, so I would rather be like fifth wheel and not get that great of a draft and be like going really hard and just never have to worry that like, oh crap, I okay. gotta move up. That okay. was that was my thought. So like. 
I, I agree though. I probably, I honestly could have been back like five more wheels and I would have been safe and I would have used a lot less energy. Yeah. But it just happened that I didn't know what that cutoff was going to be. So the perfect spot was somewhere between you and I because you made it through like pretty yeah, much the whole you race. Know, yeah, to be honest, it was it was a little, like you said, I, w- I did uh, have to go through a few gaps in the, in the group. But, um, and I thought I was positioned well when I got to the line, but then I couldn't clip in and I was losing and I had to catch up to the group at first, Mm -hmm. first off. And then I was just kind of playing catch up the entire time. And just like, as people were falling off, I had to make that gap. And then towards like the last, when they put up eight laps to go, I was in some serious pain. And just and slowly and slowly, when we were going up that hill on the main stretch, I would start to get a gap between myself and the field, and then I would catch up in the corners. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of just doing that. It was like you knew that at some point you were gonna detonate. I thought to myself, I was like, I can keep like I was I was in that mode of I am completely like at my limit right now. Where in this race can I uh, keep like catch up, and where can I like allow myself to back off? Mm-hmm. But I knew. That if there was ever a moment in this race where people really like, like just drilled it, I was going to be done. And to my luck, with three laps to go in the race, they threw a prem lap. <laughs> now that's when you knew it was done. Yeah, and yeah. I think in that prem lap they dropped like four or five people, and yeah. I was like the last person. The prem lap, I was at the front of the race, and it started to explode at the front of the race. I had to close gaps with like behind three different riders. Yeah, and I was pushing like my max heart rate. Uh, in that so i took so i lost it up that hill because they pushed it into that uh final corner and i was off the back in the final corner and i lost in that hill and when they were going into the corners they were just not letting up going into those first few corners Mm -hmm. and i just lost it like that i I was like my day's over yeah i mean Um, this was a hard race i took i still took 24th yeah and that was basically i mean yeah i mean that's not with finishing with the lead group and there was i think 60 that started this race yeah and uh, I, I kind of, I kind of like kick myself because I was counting it, and I was like, if I would have just stayed with the main group until the finish, like besides the people that like crashed and stuff, yeah. I would have taken like fifteenth, just oh, by just yeah. by staying with the group uh, until the finish. I would have taken like top fifteen. That makes me severely. Uh, that makes me want to kick myself for what I did then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't really think about this, but. I managed to stay with the main group. It was that was honestly like probably the hardest race that I've ever done that I've finished. Um, but I, I just wanted to stay like close to the front with the main group, and I was up there at, at the same time. I was a little too far up. I had to cover attacks and I had to go with attacks, and then everything came back together. And on the last lap, it was it was just really hot. And then all of a sudden, on the back side of the course, it kind of slowed down for a little bit right before like a, out of a corner into a gentle rise. And I just, I kind of had t- been telling myself all day, like, I'm not going to take this to the line. Like, I'm going to, I'm if I'm going to go, it's going to go, like, ha- with a lap to go, with half a lap to go. So, as it started to slow down, I just kept my speed up and punched it over the over the climb. No, it wasn't a climb, but it was just, like, a little bit of a rise in the road. And I just put my head down, and I just drilled it for probably about 30 seconds. And I looked back, and somebody closed the gap. And that after that, my day was done. So... I just, you know, that I pulled the pin and that was that was the day for me, which hindsight, you know, like there was two crashes right after that, like 
within the last yeah there two, was two or three crashes just in the last i think in that entire race there was like seven or eight crashes yeah so i probably made the right decision i wasn't i there's a good chance i would have been involved in those crashes if i hadn't at least tried to like send it with half a lap to go so um it was a little bit of a bummer but it's always something that i wanted to try just trying to hit it out on that last lap so it is what it is you know i think i think that was one of those moves that was 50 50 it it truly was if i would have gotten any kind of gap i would have i could have won the race yeah but the problem was whoever was on the front they just nailed it they didn't let me go i think it was worth it it was worth it i wouldn't have done anything different you know it's it just you got to try it you know you, you'll never know if it's gonna work yeah and one thing we didn't mention about this course is it was like 12 turns yeah but also the the roads were super narrow yeah and they were kind of gnarly too like there's a lot of cracks in the road there was really only one line through the corners yeah so the the entire race was just strung out yeah there was never really much time where people were going more than too wide pretty hard to move up actually yeah i could hardly move up a couple wheels a single lap yeah and the way i was honestly just moving up was people were just constantly falling off yeah and that was like the that was how i moved up but that was my favorite course i've that was a cool course maybe ever done that was a super cool course yeah again it suited me really well because it was a really hard course and i I, all i had to do was survive so this course or uh glen ellen of intelligence in terms of difficulty or how much i like the course okay so i actually think glen ellen was a harder course Okay. Yeah, and here's my reasoning why, is that on the back side of Glen Ellen, they had what's almost like a 180 with two corners. So you, it's like a very, very quick two corners, and you you basically do a 180. And I think that feature in the course is what really breaks people. Yeah. That yeah. really, like, that's where if you're not, like, close to the front, you're going to get shelled off the back. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of fun... That's a little tough to say. I actually liked this course, I think, better in terms of fun because it was longer. Glen Ellen felt like it was really tight and really cramped. And the narrow, the roads were pretty narrow except for on the backside of Glen Ellen. Um, so that it was almost like more stressful. Whereas this course, it was really fast and it was really strung out. But like mentally, it felt like you just had more time to process what was happening. Yeah. Oh, and for those who don't know what Glen Ellen is, it's a very similar course. It's like yeah. 12 corners. There's a hill. Uh, it's a steeper hill on the backside, but it's it's super tight, super long. It's it's like a mile or two long course. Glen Ellen, yeah. It's, yeah. it's about a mile, a little over a mile long. And we've talked before how that that's both of our, one of our favorite crit courses of all time. Yeah. Glen Ellen is an awesome course. I know for sure I put that on my calendar next year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was Gateway Cup. Anything to say about the last day? Well, the that one was thing pretty we, tough to leave. It was. That was a lot of fun. The one thing that we didn't talk about is the uh, the pro races yet. Oh, that's right. Um, so, and we, so this was our last day there. Um, so we just headed out right after the yeah, races. Yeah, we left right after our race. We had to work the next day, so. Yep. We, we headed out around, like, 1, 1.30. Yeah. So... Didn't really get a chance to watch the races. I do know that the women's race ended in a solo breakaway. Oh. Pulled off by Hoggins Berman Superman rider Lindsay Bayer. Congrats, a- Lindsay. Congrats, aka the Dirt Field. I don't know why she's called that, but that is her Instagram handle. Um so yeah, she I don't know when exactly she hit it, but she's she's like a very consummate teammate. You know, this, it wasn't her trying to win the race, it was her probably trying to s- set up her sprinter, uh, Harriet, and 
it ended up working. It was just one of those moves where you go off the front, nobody chases, stuck it to the line, had a very cool podium baby shot. You know, if, uh, if you have a baby and you win a race, you know, you take your baby up there. You take you the deser- baby up You deserve there. a podium baby. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, hey, if you have a puppy, you can bring the puppy up too. Puppy's fine too. Puppy's fine too. Yeah. Um, Maybe and not a German Shepherd, but... Probably not a German Shepherd. Nice puppy. Well, nice puppy. German, I don't know. Little yeah. puppy. It's got to be under 25 gotta, pounds. It could be a tiny German Shepherd. Tiny German Shepherd. Yeah. Under 25 pounds. Under 25 pounds. And then it's a Schneider Sisters sandwich with Samantha oh, okay. Schneider coming in second and Skylar Schneider coming in third, both of the IS Core Cycling. Congrats, Sam and... Sam and uh, Sam and Schneider. Skyler. It's Skyler. Skyler. It's kind of Skyler. It's a cool weird. name. It's kind of hard to say, like Sam Skyler. Sam and Skyler. Sam, it's like Sam, uh, yeah, I say that ten times. Yeah, ten times fast, right? Yeah. So that was the women's podium. Um, a little bit bummed actually. We didn't get to watch the race. Yeah. But it's just you know it's hard when you got to drive like six hours after your race. I, that was that was the race I really wanted to see, but yeah, we couldn't do it. Yeah. Um. So let's see here. The podium for the pro men's race, which you know what? I don't know exactly what it was. It was a sprint, but it might have been a. Re- it was probably a reduced field sprint. Uh, Griffin Easter of 303 finally got his win uh, with none other than Ty Magner in second and teammate Brad Huff in third. Wow. You know what? Actually, I'm on the Instagram for Gateway Cup. And it looks like uh, it says Ty Magner and Brad Huff are in second and second. I don't know if that was a typo or if they actually tied. I'm pretty sure Ty Magner got second, though. Okay. I think that was just a typo on the game yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, probably. yeah. So it was an awesome race weekend of racing. Even if you were a spectator, you had some really good pro races to watch and really tight racing all weekend, too. Yeah, that was, that was an amazing weekend. Came back to get some new bikes. We so, we're we're just we're, we're on cloud nine right now. I was just gonna we say that great 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 weekend of racing. We got some our 2019 bikes already lined up. That's how exciting we are for the 29 2019 race season. Yeah, is that we've already got our bikes lined up. Yeah, and yo, do us a favor and go follow Team Cliff Bar for yeah, and shout out to them again. Thanks Team. to Rally Two because we actually got an interview with them. and yo. they took an Instagram picture with us. We got to talk to Rally Cycling. Go follow them too. Go follow Rally. Go follow Cliff Bar. Uh, both are awesome teams. Both do a lot of the USA crits. Cliff Bar is crit focused, so they do more of them. But Rally still shows up when they can. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else? Um. Go follow our YouTube channel because yeah. we're gonna throw some. I am currently. Working on some videos. We got the races from the weekend coming up there. We actually are maybe going to have a little bit more content, too, coming down. Um, And then you can also follow our Instagram, uh, Bike Racing Weekly, bike underscore racing underscore weekly on Instagram. Uh, Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast. Um, You know, before we wrap anything up, Ryan... I've been thinking a lot about 2019. 2019. Yeah. Are you are, are you already thinking about next year's racing? I'm going 100% in on crit racing. Oh, of course. That's the plan, right? Yeah. But it's already got me thinking of like, I'm the kind of like planner. I already want to think, you know what? What time are we on the podcast? Hour 10. So maybe we or, save it. Oh, maybe we save this. But I just want to throw this out here there to anybody that's listening. Um, we want to know what are the races that we got to go to next year? What are the best crit weekends, crit races? Could even be a road race that you're like, hey, this is a sick race. So, you know, anybody that has an idea, has a recommendation, leave a comment. 
drop us a line. You can even slide into the DMs. You yeah. Know, whatever you want. Yeah, you know, and what we want to do is just keep going to these races, create some content like this, you know, videos, interviews. Uh, we got some GoPro footage out there. Yeah. And uh, that's where that's what where I think we want to grow this to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're on all channels. So just make sure to uh, follow us on everything, and you're going to be hopefully pleasantly pleased pleasantly surprised i don't know all right running out of words it's time to wrap this thing up ryan (laughs) well catch us next week here on bike race weekly bye everybody